As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to Laz and Powers. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic with Mark Lazarus. It's been... It's been a long time since we've done a podcast, I Well, I mean, nothing's really happened <laughs> since the end of the regular season, so there really hasn't been a need for a new podcast, right? I don't know the last time we've done a podcast in person either. It's really weird to be sitting... We are sitting in my car outside of Manny's <laughs> Delicatessen, uh, where Scott was paying me off for a bet about the Mets-Cub series some months ago. Got everything um, about the Cubs seems so depressing right now, even this bet. God, you know, you know, I really, I'm a Mets fan. That's been made clear. I wanted Chris Bryant because he's more useful for what the Nets needed. But man, having I have actually Javi Baez is like the only Cub that I was always excited to watch play, and to have him on the Mets right now, it, it, it is very exciting. Yeah, I feel like we could spin this off. And my brother texted me the other day. He's like, I don't even, he's like, I don't even watch the Cubs, but every time I. Watch the Cubs. It was a Javi Baez highlights, and that's the only Cubs fan player I liked. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, just like, like I've never. There's never been a player who I've been more excited to watch like tag a guy. Like there's just something about him. He's just electric, and it's very exciting. Think of all the Cubs that were traded, and we'll certainly get in the Blackhawks. But Duncan Keith was traded. Since Seabrook's contract was traded. Chris it's, Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez in an 18 day span. Yeah, that's. Uh, like, those are, like, five legitimate Chicago icons that, like, 100 years from now, people will still be talking about their contributions to Chicago sports. In 18 days, they were all all traded. Yeah, it's... Yeah, no, it's... And it's where... I mean, for the Cubs, it's, like, just everyone was, like, in their prime still, basically, too. It know? really feels like the Cubs didn't need to do this. Like, there's no reason they couldn't have just paid them all. The Ricketts have a lot of money. They they have so many politicians they bought. Can't they buy three more players? I mean, I don't understand. Listen, listen to our Cubs podcast, uh... <laughs> I'd love to have a baseball pie. I have some takes on baseball, let me tell you. Um, 
Yeah, I, th- there's so many different things that have happened over this time since we last recorded, which I think was the end of the season, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but certainly I think that's trumped everything has been um, the, the lawsuits and the allegations of how the Blackhawks handled the sexual uh, assault towards their player and, and, you know, certainly how Brad Aldridge then sexually assaulted a, a teenager at, uh, you know, at a later job in Hoden. Um, the Blackhawks came out today and, and, you know, Danny Wirtz has sent uh, a memo to staff members saying that the Blackhawks are going to make the internal, um, the independent investigation public and, um, and reveal it to their fans and, and, and to their partners and all, and everyone else. Um, I, I think that's what everyone's been asking for since they announced that they were going to have this independent investigation. So I, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, this is what you should have been doing. Um, but this is also important. I, I mean, this is, I, I still question... Uh, there are challenges to having what's going to be in this report because, uh, you know, Susan Logan's who defends... Uh, both John Doe's. But both John Doe's has, has already said that John Doe won. The player won't be spoke, speaking to the independent investigation. Uh, Paul Vincent before previously said he wouldn't. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that changes. Um, but it, it depends. You have to get all the information to make it a thorough review and... Um, so, uh, I think having Paul Vincent's a key piece because he was in the room, uh, to some of what's alleged, uh, and then, you know, it's also a question of John McDonough, uh, is going to speak too, but, um, yeah, this, this feels, you know, this is what the Blackhawks should be doing, and I, and I, um, yeah, this, this feels like a step forward, at least that, that they're going to open this up to the public and... It- it's tricky, too, because, like, yes, of course we wanted all... That was one of the first questions we had. You know, I, th- I think I asked Gary Bettman if he, if he was going to push the team to, to make it public. Like, that's been at the forefront. But there is the other side of this, where when you make an investigation like this public, you do make people less likely to cooperate with the investigation. Like, if you promise anonymity, you're going to get more out of someone than if you say, whatever you say is going to be in, you know, all the papers and on TV and on The Athletic and all that. So, well, that's th- what I do there, question. there's a price to pay for it. I, I, you know, the Blackhawks, are, are they're not, I th- like, when there's going to be a report with um, uh, Miami, Ohio, and I think that's going to be a very thorough, full report that we see. I think the Blackhawks, it, it's not, we're not going to be given... 100, 200 pages, you know, whatever right. thousand pages. That there's going to be things redacted. It's going to be a top sheet. Yeah, I, I think I think there's also probably people who've spoken to them already because I mean we we know of you know probably about ten people or so yeah. had spoken to them already, and, and I don't know what was promised, but part of it may have been to speak, you know, that this is private and I don't want my name, you know, and and that that's the key to having people speak honestly. Um, so I, I'm. I think the findings in the larger picture are going to be revealed here, but I don't imagine a play-by-play of this is what no, happened with no. him, you know? Uh, it'll be interesting because, you know, in that internal memo that Danny Wirtz sent out that, that everybody got, he basically said, we're going to make these public and we're going to basically implement the changes that it suggests. He's basically saying we're going to follow it. Um, what is that going to mean? Does that mean jobs are on the line? Because, you know, we'll get deeper into the investigations and the lawsuit at another podcast. There's just so much to get into today that we didn't want to uh, just kind of off the cuff talk about the lawsuits. I mean, I've been turning down radio hits left and right for like six weeks now because I'm I'm not comfortable talking extemporaneously about this because there's so many legal legalities and, and you know, People that all that you and me and Katie Strang have talked to, you know, off the record, on the record, on background. I don't want to conflate reporting with something else. I don't want to, you know. So we're always we're very wary about just talking extemporaneously. And we don't want to get sued either, right? That's like, what I mean. Like, I don't want to say anything wrong. I don't want to, uh, 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 you know, uh, say something that someone 
told me in confidence and accidentally just spills out because I'm just talking too fast. Like, this is a very sensitive issue, which is why we're focusing on the reporting of it and not going on every radio station to talk about it because there's just too many, you know, there's too many intricacies about it. Um, So, but it's going to be fascinating because so far there has not been a single denial from the Blackhawks, right? Their entire legal strategy is based on, well, he wasn't a minor. Well, the statute of limitations. There hasn't been a, this didn't happen. And you'd think, I'm the legal expert, but if you knew that this didn't happen, you would say that this didn't happen. There's no forceful denials of any sort. So what is that going to mean? If the Blackhawks get by legally, is that good enough for everyone to keep their jobs? What are the, what's the standard for the team? What's the standard for Gary Bettman, who has wide latitude to do whatever he wants, regardless of the legal process? He has that power. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see this play out because clearly Stan Bowman is doing his job like he thinks he's sticking around, right? I mean, he just made, he just completely remade the team in one of the most dramatic off-seasons I can ever remember. So it's business as usual right now in the Blackhawks. In six weeks, is it still going to be in? Two months, is it going to be in? Three months, is it going to be? We just don't know. We won't know anything until we get the results of this investigation. And then we'll have to analyze those results and see how detailed they are. And then we'll have to see what Danny Wirtz actually does and what Rocky Wirtz actually does to, quote-unquote, implement the changes that they want to implement. So there's so much up in the air right now with the team. Yeah, I feel like the independent investigation is one piece that they'll reveal, but that it has nothing to do with the civil cases, you know, right. like, like that the Blackhawks will not speak, I imagine publicly until those are dismissed or, or ruled upon, or you just, you know, I, there's still, that has very much been the priority to this. And that, and that's how they've, you know, have addressed it. Like even at the beginning, I, I think the first comments were that we're going to be proven, you know, I think they said they're, it was going to be proven that they'd done nothing wrong. Right. And then they stopped commenting at some point and it's been very, very quiet and Stan Bowman was the first person that's been associated with that that came out and spoke uh, and he obviously had very little to, to say um, so I, I yeah I at some point at some point soon we'll know whether I think those cases are moving forward um, and discovery is going to create a whole nother I, I, you know it'll just create all this other news especially if any of that's revealed what's in the discovery um, if the cases are dismissed, the Blackhawks are still going to have to talk about this at some point. You know, right. like they're, and even now, Stan Bowman has said that, you know, at some point uh, when there is no litigation, I'd love to freely speak about it. And we'll see if that and happens. And we'll see if that's actually true. Right, right. But yeah, but at some point, there were, I think there were tougher questions to be had that outside of, because I, I don't, like, no one, a lot of people don't care what's going to happen with them financially in the, in the right. civil case. It, it's about what's the truth. What's, what did people know? What did people do? And um, I think once, the cases are done in one way or another. And, and, and even when the, you know, like the money, the Blackhawks could, could lose the cases. And, um, I don't know if that, what that means for, for anyone's jobs, you know, like it's, I, I think there, there's so many different hurdles and, um, yeah, I mean, you have, you have the legal issues, yeah. you have the civil issues, and then you have just the league issues and yeah. the team issues and the public, you know, the, there's the court of the law and then there's the court of public opinion. And until we know what any of the details are, we're all just guessing here. Like, we do live in an innocent until proven guilty country. And, you know, right now, you know, the Blackhawks could have decided, you know what, we're going to remove all the central figures from this from the chessboard here and put them on leave of some sort until it sorts itself out and let, you know, Kyle Davidson or whoever run the team in the meantime. They didn't choose to do that. That, see, that's the part that I think a lot of people are frustrated about it, that what, why not? Do, like, and, I, and I get that Stan Bowman needs to direct this team, and there's a lot of hockey decisions being made, but I, I think 
to step back and be like, we're going to investigate this instead of like, we're, we're going to stand behind this people. And, and I think that's a lot of people felt like when the whole, when Patrick Kane was accused Absolutely. too, that it was that they defended Patrick Kane and, um, it wasn't about the, the, the you know, the alleged victim and, and that sort of thing that they was, didn't have him sit out training camp. I mean, he was there from day one. Yeah. And, so yeah. I, I think that was, I think a lot of people were just like, what about the victims as well or what about you know what about investigating this before you you stand behind someone so well i mean i mean you can go to the logan mayu thing with with montreal with them drafting him and you know every statement they made and everything they did was never about the victim right it was always about this kid yeah and how they're going to help this kid and they're and you know repercussions and yada 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 nobody's ever thinking about the victims or the alleged victims in some of these cases uh that's part of the culture that needs to change, not just in hockey by any stretch, which is, you know, putting the victim front and center and, and, and their experience and their sentiments, uh, as opposed to just worrying about the famous person involved. Yeah. But that's a whole separate issue. It, it's been interesting for us because obviously this isn't our background necessarily. I mean, we yeah, both, we're learning on the fly we, here. We've, in a lot we've of both ways. done some news reporting and, you know, and I was funny. I, I know Laz and I were talking about our, our backgrounds, even in journalism and in my first job, having to knock on, uh, a trailer door in Indiana of someone who had been accused of, uh, I believe it was molesting their child. Like it was just, you know, like the type of stuff that, um, that, that's real journalism. And, and certainly I think we've learned through Katie, uh, uh foying and, and, and this, this story gets so much larger in that, you know, even now with the Miami, Ohio stuff and the stuff that came out of Holden. And I, I know that, you know, even t- communicating with today with someone at Holden that the Blackhawks, uh, independent review did reach out to someone at Holden. They did investigate them or did Holden being the school holding that Brad Aldridge uh, said yes. committed the, uh, the sexual assault. In in Michigan, that they they had someone. So the independent review is, is reached out to them and spoke to someone about them about whether they had received uh, reference from the Blackhawks, and which is a good sign because that's what you want. You, you if, want you want this large. There, there's review, always yeah. the there's always the, you know the, the Blackhawks are commissioning this independent review, so you always your natural cynicism is going to say, well, how independent is it? But all indications so far, they are talking to the right people. They are reaching out. They are looking at the big picture here, not just the Blackhawks. If you're talking to kid, people at Miami and you're talking to people at Houghton, then so far, that's good. They're doing the job yeah. right, and you would expect. I mean, a law firm of that size, and you know, not gonna they're not gonna sacrifice their respectability, you know, for rocky words or anything yeah. like that. So, and, it's, and, it's and it feels, and, it, and it's also, I think, it's become a story that's. And obviously, we're we're writing about the Blackhawks, but it's such a larger story now that does involve, you know, other other people who had, who had, uh, accused Aldridge of you know mis- sexual misconduct in Miami, Ohio, and. Um, at other places too that it you know i think the miami ohio's independent reviews can be really interesting um you know hoden uh, hoden said there isn't and you know I, I've, I've verified with the source even since they uh the plaintiffs uh, had come up with their new argument their revised argument and and they say there is no they, they never received a letter of recommendation or verification of employment from the blackhawks um, that Aldridge's uncle had been an assistant coach and that, and that was that, you know, it was sort of by word and Aldridge's uncle had no awareness. Well, of what the que- like, the that's the question. What is a positive reference anyway? Is a yeah. positive reference just a, yes, he worked here yeah. and, and, and not there, adding yeah. context to it. Like, and there wasn't a, that in place at Holden. Like, and I'm curious. Are, are you responsible as an employer to add that context yeah. if they don't ask for that context? I mean, there's, there's so much legal gray area that we're not necessarily all that, you know, sharp, uh, hip to. So, and it's even that it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think when we did that story, about uh, you know talking to law expert and and walking us through some of that and and you know you know it was basically even when the the Blackhawks had put up their defense and their their response to 
uh, you know, the original argument that they came back and saying, well, this and this and the law experts like, well, it depends on like, what's the proper way to comp- run a company. And like, uh, where, where you would all, you know, like, uh, I, I forget how he put it, but he, he basically said that if you're not running your company properly, that's also like, it. you also need to have some of that in play as well. Like if, if, if not reporting something isn't the proper way to run a company, then I think that also has to come in part of the defense as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's so many different ways this can go. And, and it's, um, I, I think you and I have a better understanding of how to read court documents and, <laughs> We're and, and do all that. And, and, and there's so much more of this to that. It's going to come. It, it does like it's hampered, and I know we talk about this a lot. It's hampered how we cover this team and how we the stories we're writing during this off season. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, obviously, this is a sm- nobody gives a shit, nor should they give a shit about our plight in this. But it does affect the coverage of the team. How do you cover the team when there's this overarching thing going on? And you and I are trying to be, you know, we're we're we're, we're kind of on dual tracks here where we're covering the on-ice team like we normally would and doing our analysis and our columns and features and stories, but we're also covering these lawsuits and we're playing that straight. You know, you and I are writing news stories. We're not colonizing on this because we're the reporters on the ground with Katie Strang and some others doing the legwork on that. So we know we're, I'm not going to write a column saying so-and-so should be fired and stuff like that because we're, we're focusing on the, the news part of it and, and, and playing it straight because it's too serious to kind of, you know, I can cover a hockey team and write a column like that and also write a news story about a guy getting hurt. This isn't like that. This is a whole separate animal. So we're kind of being quarantined almost into a news news hole on one side. But what really falls by the wayside is everything in the middle. Those feature stories, the stuff that we really like to do, especially in the off season. I mean, we can't really write those. The readers don't want to see a happy, fun story about the Blackhawks right now. That's not specifically on ice related. Kirby Doc was nine years old in 2010. We can write about Kirby Doc, you know. But you. you Front office stories. You wrote a story, a really, really good story. It's just the timing was was really unfortunate. You wrote about the European pipeline, which has been the Blackhawks' lifeline over recent years. They keep getting these Kubaliks, Cahoons, Panarins, guys on entry level contracts, and it just happened to run like right after the the, the original BEZ and TSN stories broke, and it was painting the Blackhawks' front office in a positive light because they've done good things in that regard. But the timing of it was just awful. Yeah. And people don't want to read about that right now. They don't want to read happy-go-lucky stories. You know, the um, the, the Blackhawks caught a lot of uh, uh, a flack, including from us, for the um, the way they handled the draft, having you know all these uh, you know women employees making the draft picks, and and it, it was it was optically cringeworthy to some degree. Um, and I understand why they wanted to do it. It's a good story. And two years ago, the Athletic wrote a story kind of just burying the Blackhawks for not having any women in the front office. And they took that to heart. And they did something about it. And that's awesome. And all those women deserve their jobs and are highly competent and are giving significant contributions to the Blackhawks. You and I can't write that story right now. We can't We can't write about, look at the greatness of the Blackhawks front office yeah. when these lawsuits are hanging over everything. Until this legal process plays out, We that, that's just... We don't want to write it. Nobody wants to read it. It's just, it's optically poor. Yeah, it's... At this point, it's hard to applaud the Blackhawks front office until we know what this... Like, there's there are too many people involved in what happened in 2010, or potentially involved, that it just, it's... Yeah. We, we Like, those facts need to come out to... Um, yeah, just it, you're innocent until proven guilty, but you also have to believe survivors, and that's a fine. It's a, it's a it's a it's a small needle to thread. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover. 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, this is, I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, this story has just been so, it's trying in so many different ways. And I think it's it certainly had you and I, I mean, just to, to pull back the curtain a little bit. I mean, we've certainly had so many more discussions about how to cover this and what to, to do and what stories to and tackle. We've, we've and reported what, more than we've written because what's relevant and what's not. And, you know, you, you pull on a thread on here and the whole shirt unravels over there. And, you know, it's 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 a very complicated, logistically interesting you know, sprawling story, um, and we're we're just two fucking hockey writers, right? I mean, it's like, I feel like we're more than that. No, I know. But it's funny, you know, like you, you talked about, like you know, your experiences. You know, my wife was a news reporter for you; she's an editor now. But she was we met at the, at, the, at our, my old newspaper, and like I had a, like I, there's been times this summer I've I said like, how do you cold call people like this? And get them to talk to you. She used to knock on doors and, like, you know, after quadruple homicides and talk to neighbors and family members, cold knock. Like, I, like that's that doesn't come naturally to me, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's been interesting. You know, she's been helping with, like, how do I get information from this? How do I, who do I call at a police department? You know, like, it, it, it has been a learning experience and it, it's interesting. I think we're doing a, 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 a fair job of it, but it's a, uh, it's well, been it a helps having, having having Katie, uh, Katie Strang li- li- leading our charge. She's she's a machine, and she's just the and most the athletics. Uh, you know, I, yeah. it's certainly even Katie's got her editors who are like Katie. You know, Katie be told like, "Well, we need to change this or that." <laughs> you know, like the whole editing process. Just to, um, but certainly, I, I mean, we're we're gonna stick with the story, and you know, like we're, we sent out emails this morning and calls and. Um, we'll continue to do it, and, and um, but we're still going to cover the hockey team, also. And I think that's yeah, and that's and, it, there's a balance, there and I feel like we've. I think there was one point where everyone's like, "Well, when are you going to write about hockey?" And well, it's like we're waiting for the news to happen, yeah. and, and and from the expansion draft to the amateur draft to the free agency, the trades. I mean, you trade for Seth Jones, and you give up what you gave up for it. We're going to write about that, and that's where we're at now. Is 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 you know now we can look at the hockey side, for, you know, for the rest of this podcast for now, and holy shit. Like, if and when they open up that locker room, you and I are going to walk in there like, who the hell are all these people? I mean, it's been crazy. It, was, it felt like that was going to be like last year, though, too, right? Like, it was just, there's I mean, a much younger guys. There were never, there were people that we've never met in person as a Blackhawk, Pia Suter or Zadora. That's true. Yeah, we never, I never got to know them at all. You know, Soderberg and Janmark and all these guys are, are Blackhawks. And yeah, we never met them personally. Um, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Point blank. Um, obviously, the rebuild is for all intents and purposes, over here. They might, you know, the, those young guys are still part of the thing, but this is not a rebuild anymore. No. This is a, this is a, they're going for it this year. They are clearly trying to win a Stanley Cup with Taves and Kane still under contract. Is this team significantly better than it was a month ago? Oh, yeah, I, I think completely. I mean, it's, I think most importantly, they address the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, the defense is something we've been talking about since back. Jake McCabe's the one that's going to transform this defense more than Seth Jones is. I really believe that. He's a guy they have not had since Nicholas Jalmerson. 
a yeah. real, true shutdown defender. It, it depends on what Seth Jones is, right? Like, it's, Seth Jones is still going to lead them in ice time, and yes. he's going to play in all roles. And He's going to uh, play the Duncan Keith minutes. Yeah, like you... And Duncan Keith, just, uh, honestly, was just... He he wasn't good at Duncan Keith role anymore. Like, nope. it was... Uh, the analytics were bad. He was on the ice too much. So if you have someone that's, that's competent, and obviously they're hoping Jones not to be, just be competent, but to be you know, excellent at, at, in that role, then that changes who you are. Um, you know, the, you know, taking away Zadorov who had his struggles and, um, you know, giving McCabe and, and Murphy a larger role. And there's certainly, they need, uh, they, they need Stillman to be, you know, the, to take that step. And, um, you know, they need DeHaan to be healthy. I mean, DeHaan healthy is a, is a, is a big factor into this. And, um, they're still making on a young guy or two, probably Kalnick to, yep. to possibly be the power play guy or, or at least certainly carry a role. Um, I, I think overall the group's better. I, I think, I mean, it looks like now that they, they're going to, you know, Mitchell and Bodan guys that probably need time in Rockford and maybe even Kalnick, they're, they're going to give those guys time to develop. Um, you know, I, I certainly wrote a column, and I'm—I know that people don't agree with it, but I, I thought trading Boquist was—you um, know, like you—you you, you moved on him too quickly. This is an organization that struggled to, to draft and develop its own players, own defensemen. They put so much time and work into Boquist, and um, I think it was heading in the right direction. And I get there were some questions about the, you know, just he's been—he's had some injuries. He certainly still has some defensive deficiencies. Um, but at 20 and as well, the youngest defenseman in the league, like it just—it seemed like the arrow was pointing up and but overall I think the overall even if you the, you take away Boquist I think I think the group is improved and um and moving Seabrook's contract and, and as part of that defensive group is is huge too to what they can at least their cap flexibility in the future yeah I mean uh I, I keep coming back to the Jones trade which I still think I don't understand like I, I I would love to get like the inside baseball on how that trade went down because as far as I can tell the Blackhawks were negotiating against themselves like there might have been maybe Dallas, I think was was the other team that might have been in the race for that, but they weren't nearly as motivated as the Blackhawks. And you knew that there was only a couple of teams that he could go to because he was only going to approve a trade to somewhere where he would also sign, or a team would only trade for him if he would also sign. And that was a very limited group of basically Chicago and Dallas. And you still gave up two first round picks. Look, they moved from twelve to thirty two. To that's me, that's giving away a first round pick because yeah. the difference between a twelfth and a thirty two in the NHL draft is massive. So they gave up a number eight overall pick in Adam Boquist, who they've spent the last you know three years invested in and developing, like you said, and who was becoming a reliable NHL defender. Defender, you gave up that. You gave up two first round picks and a second round pick to trade for a guy who wanted out to a team that had no leverage and no other teams to compete against. I I know you want your guy. You go get your guy, and, and there's something you know uh, laudable about saying screw it. We're going to get our guy. But Jesus Christ, they gave up a lot for Seth Jones. He, Never even mind the contract. The contract's the yeah. contract. You look around the league right now, defensemen are just going for obscene contracts right now. So whatever. But the the amount they gave up for a guy in a situation where they seem to have Columbus over a barrel, I don't understand how it came to that. Well, part of it goes back to, like, I, I've heard from even people are saying, like, well, you know, someone from, you know, like there's a team source that said that the Blackhawks aren't, this isn't them going for it and i don't buy that because i don't i think if that what else the, could it possibly be the, i think if that was the case that you would have waited until jones hits the open market like a year from now and you wouldn't have signed a, you wouldn't have traded for mark andre fleury who's on a one-year contract sure, yeah and but i but i the jones thing is interesting because i i think that he would have signed with the blackhawks regardless like i think there was motivation and i and i do think that columbus knew that in some way 
Um, so I think if, if you wait a year from now and, and you saw Jones in the open market, you certainly don't lose all those assets. And um, I, I do think there was also Columbus may have been willing to wait a little bit longer. And, but I think in time, the value decreases, too. So I it, it was interesting doing that story with Aaron Portsline and going through kind of the, uh, you know, it's how, hard to make a trade, isn't it? Uh, how would this situation play out? And I, I, I wouldn't have made that trade. Like if I was, if, if that had been, I guess, me negotiating. Um, I, I mean, I guess, you know, the, the early reports were they want Doc and to bring it. So yeah. when you come down to Boquist, it's, it, it's like when you, you know, lowball trying to buy a house or something, but it's like at the same time, it's basically a three first round picks though. Like, it right? is. like that's and, 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 and a second. Yeah. And it comes down to you know like if Jones is it then Jones like it's you can look back on it and yeah if Jones if Jones is who Stan Bowman thinks he's going to be then all right it's probably worth it anyway but so that's the question right is like, Seth Jones the superstar number one defenseman that the Blackhawks hope he is or is he the worst defenseman that ever lived like all of our analytic friends uh, think so it's not it's it's there's like no in between there's no gray area he's either one or the other what's interesting is like say <laughs> just hypothetical Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup this year. It, it's, and everything's worth it. Then it doesn't matter. Well, I know, but then it's funny because it's still eight more years of Seth Jones. Like it's it's like I, I think Seth Jones needs to be uh, like I, I think towards the end of his career, I think a lot of people have come to expect a defenseman, you know, play, or any players will you know start to you know just kind well, of look at the two defensemen that are ahead of him in AAV. It's Drew Daddy, uh, Eric Carlson, and Drew Doughty, yeah. who are both just nightmare albatrosses right now. But it, but if Jones is this player for more than half of what's coming up, which is nine years. Then, then, then that's it's, fine. It's fine, but yeah, I, I think there's a. There, it, this is a big season because it's, it's like you invest in this guy. You've already gone like there's analytics that indicate that he could be on the downturn and and uh, and. It's so, hard to say that because he's only 26. Like it, 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 if, but it's were, also like the the true like the true prime is like 24 to 27 or something. But you know? with like defenseman, it tends to be a little bit older. Like if he were 29 or 30 and coming off a year like last year. I, I, he'd be just untouchable, like, oh, my God, get away from me. Yeah. But at 26, I'm willing to buy the idea that he had just a down year on Well, that's what I'm team. saying, though. I'm, I think this year is important to see yeah. what he he's, is. He's got to prove. You know, I mean, not, he doesn't have to prove anything because he's signed regardless. Yeah. But he, Financially, he's secure. He's, yeah. he's doing fine. But uh, he does have something to prove in that regard about, you know, people don't think he's what he's. I, I remember, you know, I had him on my, my Norris ballot three years ago. I mean, he was the next big thing. He was going to win multiple Norrises. He was 23 years old and, the you know, one of the five best defensemen in the league. And, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. And then it just didn't happen anymore. Now he's coming to a team that, you know, has a lot of offense. He'll probably get a lot of points. The Hawks are going to score goals this year. But they've, they're poorly structured. They have not figured out how to play defense team-wise under Jeremy Colleton in three years. Is Seth Jones going to fix that along with Jake McCabe and some of the other guys? Or are they going to be fall victim to that? Are, are they going to perform worse because they're on a team that performs poorly defensively? Like, it's a chicken or an egg. Are they going to fix things or are they going to be, you know, made worse by the Blackhawks? And that's what's going to be the big question this year is you bring in all these new players and Jonathan Taves is coming back and Tyler Johnson's your number three center and, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury's in net and, you know, Jake McCabe is going to probably team up with Connor Murphy to, to form an Oduya Jalmerson shutdown pair. Like, there's all these good things happening, but... If the team structure still fails on a regular basis, it's not going to matter. Personnel can only do so much. 
You yeah. have to be put in a position to succeed. And, and I, that's Jeremy Colleton's job, no, is sure. to put Seth Jones in a position to succeed. Yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, we've talked about I, I don't buy that the structure or the system is, like, it, they're doing anything crazy. Like it, it's, No, they're not. You, you need them to execute it, and some of that's about personnel. It's about Colleton putting people in that position. But, like, someone like Boquist was starting to get it, you know? Like, Keith, Keith had his struggles in that system and played too much in the system. Um, and, you know, like, you see the... Like, Zadorov in the defensive zone wasn't awful, but it's, like, what do you do with the pucks? Like, you need players that are that can play your entire system and create, and certainly now having more depth at center. Um, and, and there's certainly questions. Oh God, I think eight of their 12 forwards right now, if I look at the lineup, are, are centers. Yeah. And, and there's the... Collison loves that. And the there's the Taves question, right? Like, you, you need Doc one, you need Doc to be healthy and start trending like he was in Edmonton, in the Edmonton series in Vegas. Like, you need him to start trending towards the number one center. But you need Taves to be healthy. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you, you talked... He sure looked healthy at uh, Alex Brinkett's wedding, didn't he? Yeah, Lapalooza, too. They, <laughs> he's getting out. The whole Blackhawks are getting out this weekend for Brinkett's wedding. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you need Taves to be a, a top six guy. You need him to be... You know, I, I think getting getting him back is, is huge, but you also need it. Like he's, he just took a year off in his thirties. You know, like it, it gets harder regardless, even if you are playing. Well, I wonder if that, there might be a benefit to that too. I mean, he might his body was breaking down, and if he is, you know, if, if some nagging injuries are feeling better now, I mean, that, there could be a rejuvenation process there too. Yeah, no. There's rust. There's rest. There's there's you know the lingering effects of of of, of, of what he's been going through and all that and. We haven't even discussed that on a podcast because it's been so long. But, you know, basically being a COVID long hauler, we don't know what the long-term effects are. That We don't know if he's going to have relapses or stretches where he can't go. Like, it's he's going to be an open-ended question for the rest of his career, probably. And and, and, and there's a Taves question, then the Blackhawks' depth, too, right? Like, you need, like, I think they showed last year that you certainly came producing at a high level, but you need people beyond him, you know? I mean, you like, you take away Suter and you take away Henestroza, um You've you've taken two of your five best five on five players away yeah. last year. You're asking guys that you know you're certainly expecting more from Kurashev and Hagel. Um, you know they have high hopes for Borgstrom. I think Lucas Reichel's. Um, I think he's legit. You know, like I, I I certainly question that draft pick. Like not a lot of people had him in the you know end of the you know in the first round two years ago. And watching going through and watching his clips this last year and watching. Um, just his development. I think Reichel. I think he wants. He plays exactly how Colleton wants to play with some speed, and he has a little bit of size. And um, and I think that's another thing that the you know, Blackhawks tried to address a little bit is they wanted to get a little bit bigger. You know, I think getting Juju Arcara. Um, you know, like there, there's that was a focused acquisition in the free agency. I think McCabe was a focused acquisition. Um, By the way, on Kyra, you know, he's he, he's his hit rate per sixty is like tops in the league. They wanted. And, I love the Edmonton media. I'm friends with a lot of those guys, but oh my god, the Edmonton media. I had two 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 members, I won't say who, you know, text me or DM me saying like, you know, Kyra, he doesn't hit enough. He's not physical enough. He's just, you know, he he thinks he's this physical guy, but he's not. I'm like, what, what what are you guys watching, man? He's look at the numbers. Come on. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
why. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then they, they addressed the net too, right? Like it's Mark Andre Fleury was it's like a Robin Leonard surprise. Like yeah. you, you went out and got uh, one of the best goalies out there, and he did it. You know, not not on the cheap, but he did it where you can afford it and do it for and one. And all season. it cost was Hakkarainen's soul. Yeah, poor Michael Hakkarainen <laughs> who was acquired and told that you can stay with Rockford. Or, <laughs> That's one of the meanest things I've ever poor seen. Kid. Um, but uh, yeah, you got in, now Lincoln and Flurry. I mean, certainly I'm sure Subban and, and Dealer are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but they have Lincoln and Flurry there as a one two, and they have, you know, they have, yeah, I mean, Lincoln showed that at times last year was their swaps and downs and through an 82 game schedule. Now, like, you need. You need that balance, and if Flurry plays fifty to fifty-five games, and Lankinen plays, you know, twenty-five, thirty games, they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, and, and even who knows? I mean, Lankinen may take that step, and maybe it's more of a one A, one B. We'll see. I mean, Flurry's still but Crawford and Leonard managed to split the games evenly. I mean, if, if everyone's happy and they're winning, yeah, you know, people are willing to do that. They're. There's almost no risk on the flurry signing. No, it's a one-year no, thing. No. And if it's if the it only, goes the sideways, only, the, the only risk was whether how much the Blackhawks knew that he may not play. Well, right, for that yeah. Well, like there was a gamble there, yeah. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see if the Hawks are not as good as they hope they are. If he'll be able to be flipped at the deadline, if he would want to go to a contender, because he's still got some control, some say over where he goes. Um, the, the deadline, he he would be a very goalies tend not to be moved at the deadline. Because uh, teams shy away from that because they feel like it takes them time to kind of adjust to a new team and new players in front of them. But Mark Andre Fleury, if you're a contending team with a goaltending issue, boy, that. Well, be a Leonard nice showed that too, right? Like when yeah. Vegas did it with Leonard. I mean, they. Yeah. If if it's that caliber guy, you're willing to yeah. add him to the yeah. group. Um, but yeah, overall, like it, it's hard to see any, you know, like there are questions within the Blackhawks. But what they did this off season, it, it's. They on paper at least made themselves better, and well, it, it put them. You know, they're not necessarily in the Stanley Cup contention category, but they should be a playoff team. Well, that's the question. I mean, are they a playoff team? Because the Central Division, you know, I think people look. They don't look at it as that tough of a division. And you know, you got Colorado, who's clearly the best team, maybe in the league. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be in first place. But then beyond that, you've got a lot of teams that are like Chicago, that are like. They could be contenders. They could be in that mix, but they could, you know, St. Louis is going to be good. They added uh, Busnevich and, and Brandon Saad. Those are really nice additions. You know, they have to get rid of Tarasenko. That's going to be an issue, but that's a pretty good squad right there. Winnipeg got better this offseason. They've got Connor Hellebeck, maybe the best goalie in the league. Um, Minnesota is a legitimate team now. You saw how the, what they did to, with Vegas in the, in the playoffs. Well, it, I guess it depends on how the whole... If, if they can sign Kaprizov. Yeah. Um, they might be in the mix for Jack Eichel still. You know, imagine if Minnesota adds Jack Eichel. All of a sudden, that's a really good team. Um, you've got uh, Dallas. Dallas, who went to the Stanley Cup final a year and a half ago. And, you know, this past year was just beset by injuries and COVID issues. That's a good club down there that's been, you know, adding also. You know, you have to be at least in the top five in that division to have a chance. To, but the, the Pacific is going to be just absolute trash. Like, the after Vegas, that is, I mean, what... Vancouver might be the second best. Edmonton, Edmonton. All right, Edmonton maybe. Then, then Vancouver, San Jose. The Kings rebuild is, is just about over. So that, so, but so theoretically, there's going to be three teams out of the West, uh, the Pacific, and five teams out of the Central. But there's no guarantee the Blackhawks will be in the top. They'll be in the hunt. I believe that. But it's going to be difficult to make the playoffs, well, and then you're going to wind up playing fucking Colorado in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the key is though. I mean, with the Blackhawks, like they need to be better, right? Like they just yes. you need you need to see, not have a team that's allowing the most scoring chances in the league and high danger chances. And you know, if Jeremy Colleton is your coach of the future, then things need to be trending. Like playoffs or not, like it, maybe it's not possible. Maybe they're not good enough. Maybe they need they need more. Um, 
and maybe it is, you know, I think in a couple of years it'll be interesting when Taves and Kane's contracts come up and, you know, wrote about that recently about just the prospects of how they can change things a little bit salary cap wise and do some different things in the organization. But, um, yeah, I, I think at, at some point they need to start trending in a direction of like, I, I don't think there is many reasons why the Blackhawks can't defend, you know, like you've, you know, like Seabrook was a big issue for a while. And then Keith was a big issue. Um, you know, like maybe you didn't have the depth in forwards. And, and I think there are a lot of question marks that are reasons why Carlton's teams haven't played as he, you know, as he's desired have been there. And I think those are eliminated now. I think, I think this is a team that it should be able to compete, you know, like yes. maybe it's not a playoff yes. team. Maybe it's not, maybe there are other better teams, but there's no reason why this team can't look like a functional and competitive, um, and statistically, analytically, look like you know one right. of those teams. I think that's yeah. They shouldn't have to outperform their metrics. Basically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now it, it's interesting though, because you know when you when you all right when you look at this team, what is the what is the piece that there's no denying this team is going to be more watchable. Like last year was kind of fun because you had all those kids in there, but you knew that team wasn't really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. That it, even when they were in a playoff spot, that wasn't real. This team is going to be worth watching. There's superstars on this team now. There, there, There's a lot to be excited about if you're a Blackhawks fan. What's the one piece to you that's going to make or break? Like, which of the new guys is going to make or break this team? Is it is it Jones? I think it's Jones or Taves. I think it's... Taves is the big one, I think. I, yeah. I think, you know, like, it's... Like, Jones is going to be on the ice a lot. Like, if Duncan Keith had performed at... At a higher level last year, I think the Blackhawks are potentially a playoff team, you know, even yeah. without Taves. Like, yeah. that's, there was, yeah, just analytically in the number of goals he was on the ice for. And, and I get why the Blackhawks did it, because they felt like, we're not going to break Duncan Keith regardless, you know? Like, we may break a kid if we, we do something like that. <laughs> and, and I get why that was, but I think the Blackhawks have known for a few years now that if we're ever going to be successful, it's probably not going to be with Duncan Keith again, um, especially as our number one defenseman. Um and we haven't even talked about the trade a whole lot, but it's and that was sort of like the perfect situation for the front office and hockey office that you traded Duncan Keith and you don't look like the villain for and it. How right? do they not retain any salary? I mean, that was a Edmonton. Good lord, Edmonton, Brandon Manning, Edmonton, just yeah. Edmonton. So yeah, so, so I think it's your number one center and your number one defenseman, right? Like yeah. it was like that's, that's, the, that's like, the keys, right? and your number one goalie too. I mean, obviously Flurry can make a difference here too. I, I think Taves is going to be fascinating because. If Jonathan Taves comes back and he's Jonathan Taves, the whole complexion of that team changes. You think if I said Alex Nylander, the fan base would just jump through the podcast? Let, let's let's stop I'm for a ju- second. Ju- I was gonna, let's I, talk I, about I, Alex Nylander. I think Alex Nylander is actually going to be like he's going to score 15, 20 goals. Yeah, he's going to be fine. I'm just saying that if I and said he's going to do like it for like nine hundred and twenty-five thousand yeah. dollars, and everyone's going to hate him. Yeah. What what is? I don't understand the Alex Nylander hate. I don't get. No, it. it's it's it, well, it, it's it all stems from when he's traded for the one. It was the first time. Yoki first... Haru, who both and I, both you and I, thought really highly of. He's like a fucking third pairing defender on a shitty Buffalo team. It, he's I the Alex Nylander of Buffalo. I don't know. Yoki Haru probably would have been like a second pair guy, and he's a guy who's probably going to play in the league for 15 yeah, years. Yeah, no, he's a good player. I, always I, just, him, I, yeah. I think I think where it stems from is that he was the first defenseman they've drafted or developed since Jarmelson. So it was like, like, and they traded him really early, right? Like it's and yeah. it has sort of, it has nothing. Well, they traded him at 19, and they traded Bogrist at 20. Yeah. So the, there's not a lot of patience. In I, this I will say office. this about Nylander is that he is one of the most. Um, He's one of the players that I've covered that who who doesn't he just 
whether he's confident or loses the confidence in his play, it just, it's so dependent. I've yeah. never seen anyone who who's playing when he plays confident. He's an elite player, maybe not elite, but he's a really good player. And when when he's lost that confidence, he disappears he completely. Like there. it's just Brian Bickle was like that. Yeah, it's just I. There are only a few players that are like that. So like. I think at times where Nylander is, is really good and he can help the Blackhawks. It just I also think the Blackhawks are deep enough now that they don't have to rely on Nylander. I was just about to. I was waiting for you to finish saying because like, you're not going to have to worry about Alex Nylander being in the top six constantly because the year he did that, they didn't have a whole lot else. Yeah. This year, he's going to be a third, fourth-line guy. He might be the extra guy. You know, he, He's going to be healthy scratch from time to time if he's not having those good confidence runs. Like. I think it's time to ease off Alex yeah, Nylander. Sure, no, I sure. think it's time to lay off the board. I, I think they have enough guys where, where if God had, if all this weight gain, all this yep. stuff works, like it's like it's money for the Blackhawks. It's also like Strom too. Like if they're not happy with Strom, there's enough, there's enough com- competition, there's enough depth that they can sit guys mm-hmm. that they're not happy with. Um, so yeah, in a perfect world for the Blackhawks, all these guys. You know, click and and they have a lot of healthy competition and maybe even some trade pieces later on. Yeah, Hugo um, Gaudet and Borgstrom. There's so many X factors on this team right yeah. now that these guys could be seven goal guys who are in out of the lineup, or they could become real legitimate middle six guys who produce and provide that depth scoring that they haven't had since the Cup years when you had Patrick Sharp and Tavo on the third yeah, line. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, there's a lot of yeah. I mean, because the top six is good, man. If you've got to bring it, Doc Kane, and you've got Kubalik, Taves, and Pick your uh, pick your poison there. That's going to be a really good top six. Debrinket yeah. is a like, uh, he's an all world player right now. Yeah. Like he is a legitimate superstar in this league now. Um, so you put him with Kane, and if Doc is healthy this year, you know he doesn't have to be a seventy point guy to be really really useful for the Blackhawks. He could be a fifty point guy. If Doc was looking, if he looks like he did in Edmonton, like he just never got there last yeah. year back from his injury. He came, he came back and he wasn't he wasn't himself, and yeah. it didn't hurt him, but it didn't help. And, him I, and I and I think at some point he got frustrated, and I and I and I think he stepped away. Like it was his decision to end the season as right. he did. Like it was just so I I think you know. And honestly, drafting, you know, I, after doing that story about Colton and, and, and Kirby Doc, like, I, I thought either the Blackhawks wanted Colton Doc to join the Blackhawks or join, like, their biggest competitor, you know, like, mm-hmm. their biggest rival, because th- there's such an interesting dynamic between those brothers, so I, I wasn't surprised that all the Blackhawks drafted Colton. I think it's going to motivate Kirby in a lot of ways whenever Colton, you know, joins the Blackhawks. Um but yeah, they need Kirby Doc to be that player. I mean, you know, obviously we know a lot more about Taves' health, what was happening in the bubble. Uh, but at that point, you know, like when Taves was struggling, they Doc was carrying that top yeah. center role, and and, and, and now series, we understand yeah. why it, that was happening. At least why he was giving those minutes. But Doc was up for the challenge. So if the Black, if the Blackhawks can get that Doc back, and he can obviously expect a lot more out of him, as young as he is, and I, I, yeah, I there's a lot of you know there there are a lot of X factors from their stars to all those players we've mentioned. But yeah, you go back. And it's, 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 it's interesting because it's been so long since you and I have talked on a podcast, but so much has happened. And I go back to, you know, when I sat down with Taves last month, you know, so many little things pop out. Everyone thinks that Taves and Carlton hate each other, right? Like that's been the thing. It's like, Taves won't buy in. And you and I speculated last year, maybe it's good that Taves is out this year because Carlton's really putting his stamp on the team and yada, yada, yada. And then you got Taves saying, you know, we all, we all thought back on game three, I think it was against Vegas, where like a minute and a half to go, you know, Carlton calls timeout and... You know, they need to score, and Taves isn't on the ice, and everyone freaked out about that. And Carlton fell on his sword for that. And it was because Taves literally couldn't go, couldn't get over the boards, couldn't catch his breath, was barely, he was seeing things as he was staring at the ground. His eyes weren't working. He was just, just, you know, as he says, he said, I was toast. And 
you know, and he said, I, Carlton, he saved me there. He, he bailed me out. He didn't throw me under the bus and he took like, like there's, there's so many interesting things that have happened this summer to talk yeah. about. And, uh, it, it's just interesting to be all these dynamics coming together. There are so many moving parts to this team this year. So many interesting things to look for that, you know, as bad as things are off the ice, and we're not going to lose sight, and we'll say it again, we are not going to lose sight of the bigger picture here and, and the off-ice issues and the lawsuits and everything like that. But on the ice, this team is going to be fascinating this year. I don't know if they're going to be good. They could be good. They certainly have more potential to be good than they did before. But they're going to be fascinating with all these new pieces and how they're going to fit together and the Seth Jones issue. And what is Tyler Johnson? Can, can he be more than what he was in Tampa uh, now that he's going to get a bigger role? And well, I'm, what I'm is curious, Jonathan Taves I'm curious what be? Tyler Johnson's role is because I think you look at who they walked away from, David Kemp, who yeah. Jeremy Carlton loved, and, loved. And I knew that they wanted him back. And But I think the Tyler Johnson trade, you know, like you added another center, you added... I mean, the Blackhawks right now, down the middle, I think, go Taves, or Doc Taves, whatever, Borgstrom, and possibly Johnson. I mean, Johnson can be kind of a fourth-line center. He's a guy who can win some face-offs. You I, got I, Khrushchev in the mix, too. He could be a fourth-line center. He could yeah. be a third-line winger. But I, I think I think... I, I do think Johnson's acquisition allowed them to walk away from Camp, yes. who they loved, and and I, I think Camp will be. Remember, good for Ryan Toronto. Carpenter could play center too on a checking line. They've got a lot of guys. Yeah. Well, David Camp might have they, been. They need some, favorite, I, I think, but They've got a lot of guys like that. But the key, and, and part of this lies with with Taves being back, was that David Camp was the only guy who won faceoffs last year, especially yeah. after Soderberg was traded. Yep. So to get guys who, I mean, Doc's got to improve. But to get Johnson, who I think was at fifty four percent last year, like that's that's big. And, and Taves has always been one of the best in the league. And we'll see what Borgstrom. I think Borgstrom's numbers in Finland were, were were pretty good from what I saw. But like they like that's a huge component, especially if I, I you know I, I think Johnson probably plays the PK for them with yeah. like you can have Taves do it at least the winning faceoffs and um, but yeah I think that's a big component with allowing Camp to go and it's not like Camp signed for a ton in Toronto one point five like is I think there was a ends it off to like. Zadorov was interesting because it was, like, I'm sure they didn't want him to, like, they were willing to lose him in the Seattle draft, which I mean, I, I guess it was only Quinville that got drafted in the uh, Seattle <laughs> expansion draft, but, you know, for them to expose Zadorov and then to qualify him and then they still had to move him, you know, or, or re-sign him, and, it, like, even now he's gone to arbitration with Calgary, like, I, I think there were a lot of... Yeah, there was so He's many a different very Daryl Sutter guy. Like he'll fit in in Calgary just there, fine. So many different moving parts, even to the last few weeks, where they, um, I, I think financially they they like there may be another moving piece to this. We'll see. You know, like they need to get underneath the eighty one point five, and um, so yeah, you know, we'll talk to Stan Bowman. Uh, Stan Bowman will actually speak today to the media, um, so maybe we'll get a little bit more insight to how everything went down and where they're headed. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really interesting off season. And yeah, it's. Uh, this busy so. and yeah i think we've gotten it's like something like 25 stories up on the athletic <laughs> in the last few weeks and you know we're both going to try to get a little bit of downtime here in august before things ratchet up again in september scott's technically been on paternity leave this whole summer he's no, really summer. bad at being on paternity leave as you've noticed um so uh yeah we we're gonna we're gonna dip away for a little bit here hopefully uh we'll we'll, we'll keep our ears to the ground on the lawsuit though and you know anything that pops up there, so it's not going to be like a we're not we're not disappearing to our cottage like all of our Canadian friends are. But um, well, one, I don't have a cottage. Uh, I want to get one though. Yeah, maybe like, we, we just, should put in for one, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, where's like what would be Canada come for us? Like we can just go to Michigan. Yeah, you go to Michigan. Yeah, like like uh, right right on the, the eastern edge of Lake Michigan. It's beautiful <laughs> up there. Uh, uh, that's, that's right, right. That's very easy for me to get to from my place in Northwest Indiana. It'd be like a. Uh, a treehouse just you and I own over there? Absolutely. I think that would be a great idea. We should charge it to the company and expense it. That's our cottage so that we could be cool uh, hockey people. 
Uh, yeah. Um, but we do. We have a few more hockey stories coming out, and uh, you know, we'll. Uh, I, I think maybe at some point, maybe before this, we'll do another. I thought the uh, Q and A podcast was was well received, yeah, and maybe. Yeah. That'll give us a way to address a lot of things that we probably even get to on here. That and maybe we, you know, maybe we'll devote one to the lawsuits themselves yeah, at some yeah, point. We could, we could be a little more specific and bring Katie yeah, Strang on yeah, and, and just, yeah, to get into the details. So, so we'll uh, get there. Um, it's uh, it's been quite a summer. Yeah, wear yeah. your mask. Um, wear your mask. Get your shot. Yep. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. We'll talk to you at some point. Hopefully, not, not as long as it took us to do this one. <laughs> Till next time. I'm Mark Lazarus. I'm Scott Power. See ya. Can help even just a little